You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 157. Printer Extravaganza? I know what you are thinking. This sounds like a terrible idea for a show. I am with you. In fact, I am getting my things and leaving. See you back on episode 158. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today's January 18th, 2015, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about printers. Trust me, it's going to be more interesting than it sounds. Uh, normally, on the show... We uh, have a bit of time to chat at the beginning during loading time, uh, and that is where I load the show in from my Commodore 64, which is where I record the show. Uh, However, since this is the episode about printers, I've decided to print. uh, So I typed the whole, I typed in all my show notes on the Commodore 64, and I'm going to print them out. Uh, right now. So um, I've moved my microphone over into the other room. Let me get this started printing here. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's going to be loud. Let me, let me move over here to my, to my mic. Let me shut this door. And uh, so anyway, uh, I'm not changing the music. We're still going to call it loading time, but today is actually uh, printing time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. So hello, welcome back. It is 2015. I'm on a roll. I did a show last week. I'm doing a show this week. I don't expect that to continue forever, but uh, while we're uh, on the wave, might as well write it. I had in my notes here, and I just wrote down the name of it, is right before Christmas. Um, Now, now we have a uh, rule in our household, and this came from my parents, and that is that you are not allowed to buy yourself anything, like the entertainment, you know, whatever. You're not allowed to buy yourself anything from Thanksgiving Day until Christmas Day, and that is to prevent you from buying things for yourself that somebody might have already bought you for a gift, or if they're looking for a gift idea, you know, you would just tell them uh, what the idea was and not buy it for yourself. But um, on a, a Twitter, I think it was, I saw somebody mention. Uh, it might have, it might have been on a news site, but I saw somebody mention this Android tablet. Now um, I have been. Uh, as far as phones and everything, I'm I'm uh, an iPhone person, and that doesn't mean that I'm I'm pro iPhone or anti Android or any of that. And it actually, um, that's one of the things that I just refuse to discuss with people. When people start trying to tell me that their phone's better than my phone, I just shut down or walk away. I'm just not interested <laughs> really in arguing um, whose phone is better. It's just it just um, it's a whole line of conversation just doesn't interest me um you know i've always been uh, as far as computers and technology and all that i i love that there are choices out there and i love that people find the ones that they enjoy and that they like you know and so if people are excited about the ones that they have um then i'm always interested to listen to that you know but then when it starts turning into uh theirs is better and yours is terrible then i just i just lose interest i'm not i'm not i don't work for apple i don't get paid to endorse their products or defend them. Uh, so I just don't, I try not to get into that stuff. So people have asked me, why don't I have an Android phone? And it's because I don't, I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. It's because, um, actually the reason why I have an iPhone is because my kid got an iPod touch and had some games on it that I liked. And then someone told me, you know, an iPhone is basically an iPod touch, but it's also a phone. And that's how we got started. And, and then, you know, you kind of, tend to invest, uh, in, um, I don't know what you would call it, that, um, uh, that little technosphere of, you know, you, you have, um, all of a sudden you have iPhone chargers and you have, uh, you know, programs that you like on one and you move to the other. And then you're like, well, if I have an iPhone, maybe I'll get an iPad, you know, that sort of thing. So 
it's not really a, it wasn't a choice per se like i hate android and so i'm going this way it was just that that was just kind of how it happened but um so anyway uh someone sent me uh, or somewhere i saw this link to a android tablet and it's from a company called jxd and the model number is uh, S7800. So uh, it's an Android tablet. It's a quad-core tablet with a HD touchscreen. But the selling point of this thing is that it comes with uh, joysticks. And, I mean, it has a D-pad. It has analog sticks. It has lots of buttons, shoulder buttons and buttons on the face. And it comes with a program built in where you can map those buttons to the controls of any touchscreen program. And so uh, I think it was about $150 um, plus shipping from China. <laughs> and that, that always scares me a little bit because if you get this thing and it's busted or broken or something, you know, it may be a, a weird return process. But uh, it, oh, let me get the uh, box here. I have the box <clears throat> on the floor next to me. Uh, it comes with emulators for, reading on the back of the box here, uh, PlayStation 1, PSP, uh, Nintendo DS, FBA Arcade, I guess that's the Capcom Neo Geo stuff, Nintendo 64, Super Famicom, Famicom, Mega Drive, Game Boy Advanced. Um, so, um, unfortunately, I've had very little time with everything else going on to to actually play with this thing. I have turned it on. I have put a couple of, uh, uh, I put, um, I always start with super Mario all-stars for the, um, uh, super Nintendo because I played that so much as a kid that, I mean, I know how that game handles and reacts and, and what the frame rate should look like and what it should sound like. And, um, uh, looks pretty good. So I have not, I've looked at some YouTube videos and stuff. I just really haven't had a chance to, uh, really learn the thing inside and out. And so maybe over the next couple of weeks, if I can do that, that, that might end up being a show, but so far I'm really impressed with it. Um, I'm back to that frustrating OS level. <laughs> um, you know, when you, um, it's like the first time you sit down at a, I remember one time I loaded uh, Ubuntu on a machine, and I was like, well, it looks like Windows, you know, and I put it on there, and I just sat there, and I was like, I don't know where anything is. I don't know how to, where is this? Where, how do I get, like, it's that frustrating thing that, that you haven't had, you know, when you grew up with Windows. Um, you might even kind of like when uh, Windows 8 came out, you know, and especially if you're a person like I am that works um, in IT, and you're just expected to know these things. And I'm looking at Windows 8 like, I don't get it. Like, I don't, what is this interface? Where is my stuff? How do I move things? How do I do things? I don't understand, you know? And it's very frustrating when you've been uh, uh, in computers for a long time to have something totally change. So um, I'm still trying to learn the uh, Android interface. Um, I mean, for the most part, it seems pretty uh, uh, intuitive, you know, but just things like moving things to moving icons to other screens, whatever. It's all, it's all a uh, learning curve again. So, but hopefully I can get this thing, uh, uh, up and running, put some stuff on it. So, uh, I did get a little bit of feedback from the last episode, the one about the computers and stuff, but, um, uh, nothing, uh, uh, that jumped out here at me. So I think I'll just go ahead and skip that and get to uh, this week's episode. So if you have any feedback, about this episode or any other episode of uh, the show in general, you can always email your feedback to me at robohara at robohara.com or leave a message for me on the You Don't Know Flack voice mailbox, which is 405-486-YDKF. Let me open up the uh, door here and check. Oh, good. It looks like things have just finished printing. So with that, we will get started with episode 157 of You Don't Know Flat, the printer extravaganza. Several years ago, I went to a library book sale where libraries get rid of their really old books. And I got this book called The History of Computing. And there's a lot of talk in it of computers that don't have monitors. And this is a concept that is completely foreign to me and to most of us. Uh, I think when most of us think of computers, we think of having a monitor for output. But there was a time when printers 
were the only output. There was no monitor when you, you wanted to see an update. You wanted to see something that printed out. Um, so that, uh, like I said, that, that predates me. I don't really remember that. As I've mentioned on the show before uh, several times, our first computer was a TRS-80 Model 3. And uh, when we bought that, we also got a printer. And I uh, actually talked to my dad last night. He said it was a line printer 4 and that he paid $400 for it. So it was a a 7-pin dot matrix printer. Uh, and it was $400. So, uh, there are multiple different kinds of printers, uh, many that I have owned, uh, through the years and I'll, I'm, I'm not going to go into huge technical details on them, but dot matrix printers have a little print head and they, um, have pins on the print head and that's how they apply, uh, or transfer the ink to the paper. And depending on how many pins they have is, um, you can kind of think of it as like pixels, you know, on a screen, like what the resolution is. So this was a seven pin dot matrix printer and then um, nine pin printers were really popular and then uh, I actually later on had a Epson printer that was a 24 pin printer so it did much much better quality but that's uh, that's later on in Commodore I told the story about um, me going and actually uh, it's in episode 101 I believe if you don't know Flack I'm pretty sure I told this story uh, that my dad uh, or that I I had basically a teacher called me out and basically said I was telling stories that I wasn't being truthful at school because I said that we had a, a computer at home and this is at a time you know when very very few people had home computers and so when I told that to my dad he set up a time and he brought uh, our TRS-80 Model 3 up to school. And he, he brought it to our classroom and set it up. And, and it was for most of the people, and even I remember other teachers coming in, the first time that they had ever uh, seen or touched a personal computer. And the reason I mention that is because he also brought uh, our printer. And the reason he brought the printer was because he had a program that would create word searches uh, based on words that you would input in. So uh, he made a word search for my classroom uh, with all the kids' names in it. So he typed in all the kids' names, uh, and then it would generate you know, a word search or whatever with every kid's name in it, and then he printed out copies and stuff. And I don't remember um, – you know, I, I was thinking earlier, I was thinking maybe he printed out one copy and then somebody went off to make copies, but I don't think that we had a, a photocopier like, like that back then. I really don't think that we did, you know, in our school. So not, not in, um, I mean, this would have been 1980 or maybe 81, you know, so, uh, I, I just don't remember, but so he might've had to print out 20 copies or whatever. So. Um, I don't remember doing a lot of printing on the TRS-80. And one of the things that I wanted to mention is I think uh, printing was thought of differently back then. Printing was considered to be uh, expensive. I mean, it was an expense because you had to pay for paper. You had um, expendables. You had ink, you know. Uh, wear and tear on the printer, that sort of thing. So I wasn't allowed to just print things out. I mean, I did, and we'll talk about that. But, uh, you know, I, I asked my wife. She grew up, uh, her dad had a Commodore 128 computer uh, and a printer, and I, and I asked her what she used to print out when she was a kid, and she said she wasn't allowed to. She wasn't allowed to print things out unless it was homework and, and her parents would come in and, and uh, you know, make sure that's what it was. But she wasn't allowed to just print things off, which is probably a good thing. We'll talk about that. So uh, anyway, as you all know, if you've listened to the show, we sold the TRS-80 Model 3 and bought the Franklin Ace 1000. That was the uh, Apple IIe compatible computer. And when we purchased that, it came with a Smith Corona Daisy Wheel printer. Now, this was a printer. But it's not really a printer like what we think of printers being today. Uh, Instead of being a dot matrix printer where you could print graphics or print anything you wanted, it had a ball inside like a a typewriter print head uh, that would rotate around. And so um, it's almost like a cross between a printer and a typewriter. So it did not print graphics at all, Uh, but it printed perfect type that looked like, I mean, it was the same technology um, or similar uh, as a, uh, a typewriter. So you could type in, you know, your homework or, or whatever you wanted to type, and then you would hit print and it would print out 
you know, using this print head or whatever. So it was very loud and very slow, but the, but the end result looked like, you know, typewriter, uh, you know, quality. And because that's what it was, like I said, it's, it's literally a, um, a, the, you know, that same technology that's inside a, a ball, uh, typewriter. And so I remember we had that and, um, uh, like I said, the quality was very good, but it was uh, limiting in the fact that you couldn't print uh, graphics out. And so my dad ended up purchasing another printer, and it was an Epson FX80. And this was a dot matrix printer. Uh, he actually built a little stand. And in the, the show notes, I'm going to add this picture. There's a picture of uh, uh, this. It's from our store. It's from the store my parents own, the Yukon Software. And on the left-hand side, the far side, is our PC Junior, and on the close side is our Franklin Ace 1000. And in between the two, you can see that Epson FX80 printer, and it's on a custom printer stand that he made. He used to make these. My dad uh, did a lot of woodworking stuff uh, when he was uh, younger, and um, I think he actually even sold those printer stands for a while, but they, they were really, uh, really nice. So, um, So when we got that, of course, that opened up uh, the world of printing to us. And the two programs that I remember using the crud out of, uh, were print shop and newsroom. Now print shop, um, print shop is almost like a generic term now, you know, like, uh, you know, you would have this program, you know, like, cause there were other ones, there was like print master and, and, you know, greeting card maker or whatever. But, but for the most part, you just called it print shop. Like, Oh, I, I got this print shop type program or whatever. Um, but print shop, when it came up, there were certain choices that you could make. You could make a sign, you could make a birthday card or a greeting card, and it would print it out, um, like in the four quadrants of the, of the piece of paper. So you could fold a piece of paper up and make a card, um, and you could print banners, uh, and it would, so yeah, and of course there all these, uh, printers back then were tractor feed paper. It wasn't like, uh, uh, single sheets of paper, like what we have now, like copy paper, you know? So this is, um, you know, tractor feed paper. So it's long paper and you have the, the things on the side that, that the uh, tractor little knobbies would pull the paper through. And then you had to pull those off when you were done to separate all the pages, um, I have, uh, I think I mentioned this story in Commodore probably, um, <clears throat> that on our Apple, I opened my own banner printing business. And so I would go to school and I had this little order form that I had made up. I would make copies of the order form and I would print banners out, uh, for my classmates, you know, uh, so print shop would print it. And of course it printed it like sideways. So you would have these big, long banners, you know, and, um, I charge kids, um, 10 cents a letter. And uh, 25 cents per graphic. But I think I might have raised those prices or something because that sounds pretty cheap, you know. Uh, but what did I care, really? I mean, this is all straight profit because I didn't pay for the paper at my house and I didn't pay for the the um, ink or anything like that, you know. So uh, the, the biggest one I remember and, and a friend of mine on Facebook reminded me of it was um, – I printed out one that with two football helmets on either end and it said Dallas Cowboys in the middle. And I want to say I got like five or six bucks for that. So I don't know if that, that 10 cent thing sounds low. Maybe it was a quarter per letter. I don't know. You got to keep it reasonable when your market is, um, uh, you know, junior high kids, (laughs) people without jobs. Um, but, uh, and, and as I've mentioned that job, uh, the business closed down when my dad discovered what I was doing and he discovered, uh, when he went to print something and there was no ink left. So I had basically run all the ink out of the printer and was using all this paper and, uh, was doing like, I was printing these out when he was at work or when, when people weren't around. So not to get caught, but, uh, yeah, eventually that the business model <laughs> did not sustain itself. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I used to really enjoy, um, printing out things in print shop. You know, I was just thinking about this earlier. Like if you were to go to a friend's birthday party or something right now, you know, and you, instead of buying them a card, if you just printed one out on your computer, you're like, Hey man, I just printed this out. Like that would seem kind of cheap, maybe, or kind of weird, you know, but back then, uh, it was like really cool because, 
you know, instead of getting a, a card, like if your friend was into, you know, robots, you could print out a custom card with a robot on it that said, you know, happy birthday, Chris, or whatever. And, you know, it was like this custom thing. So it was really cool back then. You know, it wasn't, I mean, now to me, it seems like it would be kind of cheap, but, but it was definitely, um, you know, something cool to do. Um, the other program that I used a lot was called Newsroom. And Newsroom would let you, um, it was like a newspaper, uh, you know, you could do layout and you could get all this clip art and put graphics in there and stuff. Now, you know, back then you didn't really draw your own graphics to put into, um, you know, print shop or, or newsroom or whatever. And, the, and these programs came with a certain amount of clip art, uh, and a certain amount of fonts. And then that was it. You were kind of limited to those things, but you could purchase additional discs of clip art and, and things like that. So, um, but we're still not talking thousands of pictures. I mean, maybe hundreds, I guess, I don't know, but, um, uh, you know, so you were, you were still kind of limited to what was in there, but a uh, newsroom was really powerful and you could, um, you know, make <clears throat> single page newsletters or, or multiple layouts or whatever you wanted to do. Uh, in fact, I took, um, uh, a journalism class, uh, in seventh grade, so that would have been 1985, and we did the entire thing with uh, print shop and newsroom. You know, on Apple too, you would come in and type in your story and do the little layout, and and then basically what you would do is just print out your page. You didn't do a multi-page kind of thing; you just printed out your page, and then eventually the teacher would assemble them all in the right order and go down and make double-sided copies and and staple them or whatever. But um, yeah, newsroom and, and print shop, I'm sure. They should have been put out by the people that also sold ink <laughs> for those printers because I'm sure they were responsible for a lot of the printing um, throughout the 1980s. Um, let's see what else. We also um, – later on, I guess this is probably the mid to late 80s, uh, there were – people started uh, giving out gifts or trading gifts you know, online. Um, I think a lot of these – might have been done originally either on a, a 2GS or a Macintosh because we had them on the PC and sometimes the the ratio wasn't right. Like they were too thin or too skinny, you know, so the the, the pictures were elongated. Um, but uh, I remember printing a lot of those out. Like there was a picture of this demon's face and it said something like, you know, go ahead and make my day or something. And uh, And I would print those out, you know, just because it was so cool to have – something of that high quality that you had seen on a computer and then printed out now, obviously, I mean, we have photorealistic <laughs> things. I mean, you have digital pictures, you know, but back then it would be either some artwork that somebody had made or, or somebody had scanned in or something like that, you know, and it, um, it really, uh, uh, I don't know. It just seemed cool. I remember I had a, uh, uh, a picture of Rambo. <laughs> I think it said Rambo three on it and I printed it out. I was like, that's awesome. And uh, I wasn't even a big Rambo fan, but just to have that picture, you know, was really cool. They were all grayscale uh, pictures back then, too. So um, another thing that I did with the printer and that I was thinking about last night was um, I wrote a program in BASIC that uh, actually there were two programs uh, and they were both for Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, when you made characters in D and D you had character sheets, you know, and with the basic set, I think the, the character sheet would like came in the book, like you were supposed to photocopy it. And then with a D and D you would buy character sheets. Um, but you know, we were kids and we were broke, you know? And so, uh, and the a D and D ones I remember were on this yellow paper, you know? And so if you tried to photocopy them, they came out like all dark and smudged and, um, you know, obviously, and that's why they were on that color paper. So, uh, I wrote a program that would print out, uh, blank character sheets. And it was, I mean, it was in basic and it was really simple and it would just say like name and class and, and, you know, all these things and your equipment later on. And then it would just have long lines of blanks where you could write stuff in. And I, I want to say it may have had, um, like for alignment and stuff like that. I think I might've put, um, check, check boxes or something, you know, but, um, but it was really simplistic. But later on, uh, I discovered the uh, random command. 
<laughs> in basic. And so I wrote another version of it that would generate um, NPCs, non-player characters. And so you would just like type in a name and, um, and had some things in it. Like you would say, uh, I think it would let you, it's been a long time. I think it would let you pick the class or the, your alignment and stuff like that. But, but you could just set it to just automatically and it would spit out all the, the stats and, and random equipment and, and things like that. And then it would just print it out. So you would go to your D and D game and, and if you needed, you know, NPCs for something, you could just pull one out of there. So, um, but that was, that was, uh, something uh, that we use a printer for. Um, the other thing that I remember using my printer for a lot was printing out um, documentation for games uh, and walkthroughs and stuff for games. Because uh, now, if you think about today with uh, uh, you know modern operating systems, Windows, Mac, or whatever, uh, we have multitasking, obviously, you know, with Windows. Uh, so, you know, I can like right now. I have um, Audacity open in one window. Actually, I have two monitors sitting here, so I have Audacity in one monitor where I'm recording my uh, podcast, and then in the other one, I have my show notes over here. Um, but back then, you know, in the eight bit days, you did not have that kind of uh, capability. So uh, you would download a thing that says, "Hey, here's how to beat you know this text adventure," and it would have all the steps one by one to go through, but. Uh, you couldn't have that open while you were playing the game. So, you know, that was, uh, uh, you either had to open up the text file and write all the commands down, like by hand, or if you had a printer, you could print them out. So I remember having lots of printouts uh, of things like that. Now, my buddy Jeff, who I have mentioned many times in this podcast, uh, who was uh, my buddy growing up, who also had a Commodore 64. Uh, I don't know why I say growing up. He's my buddy today. Uh, Jeff had an MPS 803 printer, uh, and I will uh, talk – well, uh, I can talk about that now, I guess. Um, there were a lot of um, – in the Commodore world, there was lots of uh, third-party compatible printers, uh, but the Commodore brand ones, there were pretty much – I think there were only three to choose from. There was the MPS 801, 802, and 803. Uh, and a couple of those, um, were basically old printers that had been from the Vic 20, but they updated, you know, the cases on them. Uh, the, uh, there was a, the one I had was a Vic 1525, uh, and they, they changed those later. Uh, well, there's the Vic 1525 and the Vic 1526, uh, and they were the, you know, the, the very light creamy color that matched the uh, Vic 20 and basically they just uh, Commodore updated the colors on those and updated the cases to the Commodore, you know, tan kind of brown color. And those became the MPS 801 and the MPS 802. Uh, and then later there was the MPS 803, which was, uh, came in the Commodore tan color. And then it also came in black so that you it would match the, uh, Commodore 16 and the Commodore plus four and MPS stood for matrix printer serial. So, um, Jeff had a printer in the early days and I didn't. So, um, I would uh, occasionally ask him to print something out for me. And then one time I uh, asked him if I could just borrow his printer for the weekend. And he said, sure. Cause Jeff would loan me anything, you know? Uh, and so I borrowed his printer and, and I think I, I must've supplied the paper. I think I got the paper from my dad and I printed out like three or 400 pages <laughs> of stuff. Every text file I had downloaded, every walkthrough, every game, every, everything that I had, I printed out. Uh, and then I got a, a three ring hole punch, you know, and punched holes in them all. And put it all in a three-ring binder. And I still have that three-ring binder. It's out in my garage. And some of the printing is pretty faint on it these days. Um, but uh, I still I still have that thing. And uh, what's funny about it is uh, I went through – I made a table of contents. And I, I remember it's 300-something pages. Uh, I made a table of contents by hand. I used a ink pen and went through and hand-numbered every page. And then I went back and made a table of contents and wrote down what page every document was or something. It's definitely uh, a far cry from the uh, from the technology we have today. But all the walkthroughs, all the documentation, all the text files, and lots of um, uh, buffers from BBSs. Um, you know, when you had the terminal software we used, you could open and close your buffer, and you could basically capture 
whatever it was you were reading. And so sometimes, uh, like there was this huge, uh, hacker group, uh, called hit and it, well, it wasn't a huge, but it was a local thing. Um, uh, the hacker information team. And so I had captured, you know, like you read all the messages and stuff and I had captured all that. And then I would go back and print them out. So that's another thing that I had, um, had printed out. And also if you ever see Commodore things printed out, and I think, uh, some early printers, I think maybe our TRS 80 printer was like this, but it didn't do subscript letters. So, um, like normally a letter a sits on the line, but a letter uh, G the the round part of the G sits on the line, and then there's the part that extends below that line. Well, these printers didn't take that into account. It just printed the G up on you know the line, so the letters kind of look jumbled almost, like they're up and down, you know. And um, it's not very not very pleasing to the eye the way it did that. Uh, so after uh, using you know all my dad's ink printing and then all of Jeff's ink printing. Uh, then, uh, eventually I think my parents bought me that Vic 1525 printer, uh, just because, uh, <laughs> they were tired of me using everybody else's, uh, uh, print stuff. And I don't know if this was a design flaw, if there was something wrong with mine, but mine all the time, like you would print something out, you had to watch it because the tractor feed would, would get off or something. And it would start like pulling the tractor thing away from the paper and the paper would get scrunched up in there. And it was always a pain in the butt. Uh, so you had to like sit there and kind of monitor it. Um, what else? Oh, my neighbors across the street, uh, who I've mentioned a few times, the Roarks, they had a Okimate 10. Uh, they may have had the Oki Data 120. I'm not sure. I, they were both very similar, but um, they were color printers for the Commodore. And and you actually, I mean, I remember it for the Commodore, but but they had them for a lot of different computers. Uh, but they printed out color, and it wasn't it wasn't like inkjet stuff that we have now. It was like almost like wax, and you could do it on regular paper, but it looked better if you used their special glossy paper or whatever. And um, I just remember it being really slow and really expensive. Like I think the the wax stuff probably cost a lot of money. Uh, but but they did have color printing back then. Um, then uh, so I just added this in. I had cut and pasted this. This is literally a cut and pasted story from uh, my book Commodore. But it's a, a story that gets a lot of laughs. A lot of people uh, talk about it. So uh, I thought I'd go ahead and share it here. This is. Um, the story about uh, printing at uh, Toys R Us from Commodore. I remember on one visit to Toys R Us, I split off from my family and went over to the computer aisle. At the end of the aisle, under glass, was a Commodore 64. It was hooked up to a printer and monitor, also under glass. The only part that stuck out through the top of the glass were the machine's keys. Using the simplest program ever written, I quickly typed in 10 print Jack Flack rules, and 20, go to 10, and pressed enter. Now what this program should have done was fill the screen over and over with the words Jack Flack rules. But the minute I pressed enter, I knew something was wrong. Instead of filling the screen with my juvenile message, the printer began printing. Jack Flack rules, Jack Flack rules, Jack Flack rules. Someone had already redirected the machine's output to the printer before I had walked up to the kiosk. And even worse, the machine's run-stop key had been disabled, so there was literally no way for me to stop this program from running. After panicking for a minute, I simply walked away. I found my parents over looking at some bicycles or something, so I just stood by them and tried to play cool. Hopefully, nobody had seen me pulling my prank. My parents and I walked around the store for a bit. After a while, my dad suggested that we go look at software. I told him I'd already been over there, but he insisted that I go. So the two of us walked over to the computer section. When I saw the Commodore, I freaked out. The entire glass case was now filled with paper. Bzz, bzz. The printer kept printing. Jack Flack rules. Jack Flack rules. You could no longer even see the computer. Seemingly miles of paper were now rolled up inside the display case. Soon a couple of employees noticed what was going on. They walked over to the display case, but neither of them had a key. At one point, I remember them picking up the phone and paging the manager on duty to come to the computer area. I don't know if Dad ever saw or figured out what had happened, but if so, he pretended not to, and knowing him, he probably would have thought it was funny anyway. So anyway, that was uh, <laughs> a prank I had pulled one time that went went not exactly how I had planned at uh, Toys R Us. 
so we had not matrix printers for a long time. That was a technology. Um, in 1994, I started working at Best Buy, and that was around the time of the boom of inkjet printers. Uh, inkjet printers use a different type of technology. They use uh, ink that would spray on instead of a printer ribbon. I like the old dot matrix printers. Um, the printer aisle was one of the most dreaded aisles. If you were a Best Buy employee, you did not want to walk down this aisle because it was constantly filled with old people who wanted to ask you a million questions about printers that there was no way you could possibly know the answers to. Uh, and they would, they would sit there and ask you um, to compare printers, you know. Well, this one says it does this, and this one says it does this. And so and you would look at them, and all you had to go on was the little thing that was printed out, you know, the little card that would sit in front of the printer that would say how many pages per minute. And then they would ask you, well, how does this one do a printing magenta or whatever? And you would just be like, I have no idea. Uh, so I, I try to avoid walking down that aisle at all costs. Uh, I remember that this was the time that Canon – released their bubble jet printers and people would want to know what was the difference between bubble jet printers and inkjet printers. And you try to explain that they'd want to know which one was better. And eventually you would say, well, let me get this. And then I would walk off the aisle and I would go hide in the break room until I was pretty sure they had gone. Um, this was when HP started releasing their 500 series of inkjet printers, the 520, 540, 560. Uh, and this to me is like, the changing of the model of printing, um, you know, in the old days, printers were hundreds of dollars. And then suddenly, you know, these printers were a hundred bucks or less, or we always had coupons where you got a free printer and the model kind of changed to let's give them the printer and make them buy the ink. So before, you know, dot matrix printing ribbons were pretty inexpensive, you know, maybe 10 bucks or whatever. Um, but now all of a sudden, you know, you get a cheap printer, but to buy the ink and things like that. It's going to be $30, $40, even more sometimes. So, um, we did not, uh, carry any laser printers at that time. Laser printers being affordable, uh, was not really uh, something that came along until later. Uh, I remember, um, when I was applying for jobs, um, you could either print your uh, resume out on an inkjet printer or whatever, or you could take it someplace like Kinko's and have them print it on a laser printer, which is what I did. Uh, in fact, I went to Kinko's, I typed up my whole resume and I took it in there on a floppy disk and I had them make, I think 20 or 30 copies, something like that. Uh, and they had this really gaudy paper. It was a purple paper with lightning bolts. And I was like, that'll sure get their attention. <laughs> so I had my resume printed on this purple paper with lightning bolts in the background. And, um, uh, I was going to school or had, had gone to school, uh, for a degree in English. And so at the very top of the resume, I put, uh, attending college with a degree in English. Only I had misspelled English instead of ending it with SH. It ended with GH. So it literally said I had an English degree. So, uh, I sent out all those resumes and nobody ever called me back. Um, so there's a, there's a lesson for you. Um, the first color inkjet printer I got was an HP DeskJet uh, 722C, I believe was the model. Uh, and um, it, it would print in, you know, you could use, it had two color things. It had the black and white one and it had the color. Uh, so if you print it in black and white, it would save, you know, on your color ink or whatever. Um, it also would do photo quality. That was its selling point. So if you bought uh, HP's photo paper, you could print out photographs. And I remember printing out a lot of photographs and they looked just like the photographs that you would get, um, you know, printed at the, at the photo kiosk or whatever. But the difference being that it was ink and not um, you know, actual photography chemicals. So, uh, what you notice is that if you put them, like if you hung them up at work under neon lights or, or fluorescent lights or anything, they would fade very quickly. The colors would fade. And so they definitely didn't have the longevity of a actual, uh, photograph. The first laser printer I got was an HP LaserJet 4L. I was working, uh, on a job in 1997 a guy had that, uh, might have even been 96, and a guy had it on his desk and got a new computer and asked me to take this to the trash and dump it in a dumpster. So instead, I took it home. Um, we just 
last year, uh, 2014, got rid of that printer. So I've had that printer for almost almost 20 years, um, and it still worked. Uh, it's the 4L. Most people are familiar with the 4 Plus or 4. I think P is the more common uh, LaserJet, HP LaserJet. This was a much smaller one. I think it only holds like 50 pages or something like that or 50 pieces of paper, and it didn't have a lot of memory. So if you tried to print something like a big PDF, it would sit there and take forever, you know, waiting. Um, it just didn't have a lot of RAM on board. And and unfortunately, what happened is um, – uh, it got to be a pain in the butt with uh, Windows 7, finding drivers and stuff. And then um, what? why we actually got rid of it is because, uh, obviously, um, all these old printers use parallel connection, parallel port connections, the old what we call the printer port. And none of my machines have a printer port anymore. Uh, they're all USB. And so I had experimented with a um, USB adapter to printer port. And then on Windows 8, just absolutely the drivers would not work. And, and I went through all these things that I found online and, um, it was a lot easier to upgrade our printer. So, <laughs> and that's what I did now. Um, you know, back, uh, back then printers were, did one thing they printed, but, uh, you know, we got to a point where they became these multi MFDs, we call them at work, multifunction devices where they print and they have flatbed scanners built in and they fax and you press a button and they copy. And so they do all those things. And, and, uh, so we have two of them here in the house. I have one upstairs and my wife has one downstairs. Um, the older ones were USB, but both the ones I have now are HP and they are both, uh, wireless. So they connect to the wireless and no matter where you are, you print. That's certainly uh, a change from the old days of printing, you know, where you had to have the printer sitting right next to your computer. Now I, you know, the printer's in the other room. I could uh, definitely print to it. Um, I actually don't, I hardly print anything anymore. Uh, and in fact, both of my printers, the ink tends to dry up the heads, uh, ink on the heads dry up and everything before, uh, before I can use the whole ink. So, uh, the kids do some printing, you know, uh, you know, for school or whatnot, they have to take uh, documents in, but if they don't, they have printers in their classroom. So it's no big deal for them to do that. Uh, but the ink, that that whole angle has gotten so expensive. Uh, I know my my printer uh, upstairs is a I don't even know it's a HP something. But uh, the last time I bought ink for it, it was like ninety dollars for all the different ink that I need. So it just just seems really expensive, especially for how little I use it. I use the scanning part of it a lot more than I use uh, the uh, the actual printing part. I uh, a few years ago I was trolling Craigslist. And I found this huge Commodore lot of things for sale. And it was disk drives and computers and software and monitors and books and everything. And the guy, I talked to the guy and he said, just bring a truck. It's going to be so much stuff. And so my buddy and I drove uh, 45 minutes away and we got there and, and I'm sure glad we brought a truck because he has a Dodge pickup and the bed of his truck it was like two layers thick of stuff like monitors on top of monitors, boxes on top of boxes. I mean, it was just so much stuff. And in that, uh, were lots of printers. I believe I got six dot matrix printers out of that deal and, um, got home. And I was, I was like, I looked at them for five minutes and then I said, I don't need to get into this. I don't need to be, you know, I like old computers. I'm playing old games. I'm not going to print things on an old computer. And so, uh, I started trying to sell them and I put ads up, you know, old printer, blah, 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 $5, $10 and nobody. And so then I started taking them to, uh, OVGE, the Oklahoma video game expo and, uh, trying to give them away. And I tried for a couple of years to give them away and I could not give them away. I couldn't, I mean, tell people, Hey, this is free and they would not take them. And, uh, so one of my friends, uh, 98 pace car, he used to go to that show as well. And so we would, uh, we started this game of like trying to sneak the stuff we didn't want to take home into the other guy's pile, you know? So like I had some, or he had some old games or something. And it was, uh, I think they might've been old Texas instruments, cartridges or something. And he had brought them a few years in a row and, and they hadn't sold. And so when I got home, I found them in, in my, my box of stuff. I was like, how did I end up with this? You know? So, um, so I, I, uh, he had a pickup and, uh, 
when I had left early and I went out and I put printers in the back of his pickup and kind of covered them up where he wouldn't see them so, until he got home. So, uh, And then the rest of them I ended up throwing away. And in fact, I had contacted um, Paul Slocum. I want to mention Paul Slocum. Uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with the Atari homebrew community, Paul has been around for a long time. And he actually wrote some software that will turn dot matrix printers into synthesizers, and I'm going to play just a really quick sample of that right now. And so I contacted Paul and asked him if he wanted any of these printers, and he said no. And that was like the only person I could think of that would want them. And so after that, I literally just threw them in a dumpster. I just couldn't, didn't need them, didn't want them, couldn't find a soul on the planet that wanted them. And so I got rid of them. Uh, Last night on Twitter, when I came up uh, with the idea of the show yesterday, I uh, sent a tweet out. If you're not following me on Twitter, it is at Commodork. And uh, I sent a tweet out and said, what types of things did you print on your old home computer. And so I got back several responses from people. So thanks to everybody who responded. Uh, I got one from Cinecaster. Cinecaster said he had typed out Star Wars A New Hope in his own words and printed copies of that on Dot Matrix. That's cool. (laughs) That's really cool. Uh, Extend to the Jam said he printed Print Shop Junk the manual for mod edit two, that's funny, and basic programs. And that was another thing. A lot of people, you know, you would type in your program or whatever, and then you would just print out the code afterwards. Uh, Paul Rickards uh, also had an MPS 803. He said he printed the call log from his BBS and sometimes assembly to debug at school and the occasional school paper. Uh, I printed lots of school papers on our printers uh, at a time when nobody else was doing that. Um, you know, uh, nobody else was, uh, you know, typing in their homework in seventh grade, but I was doing that. Um, and even, you know, uh, in college you had to type in your homework. And I remember going to use their computer lab and they had some weird off brand, uh, word processor that I didn't have at home. So I, it wasn't like I could type my stuff at home and then take it up there and print it because it wouldn't read you know, the format of discs or whatever. So um, you had to actually type your stuff there and then print it out. It was really a pain. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely remember, you know, getting to, uh, especially my senior year of high school and definitely by the time I got to college, just having teachers say, you know, this has to be typed. Uh, and so I was definitely ahead of the curve by the time we got to that point. Uh, my man Ferg from the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast says on his now wife's Apple IIe in the early 90s, he kept a list of his REM CDs and vinyl collection, and he carried the printout at all times. Uh, that was definitely a thing. I remember um, my friend uh, Kevin, Kate Track, came to town one time, and he had this huge binder of all his games and everything printed out and sorted, you know, and you would carry this around. If you were a game collector or music collector, you would have your list with you. And, and, uh, uh, that way, you know, when you're out shopping, you would know, uh, you know, things that you were looking for and stuff. And, uh, I remember that I eventually replaced that with my Palm pilot and I had all the, the collector things on my Palm pilot. And of course now, uh, my phone ties to my list of everything at Google Docs. <laughs> and so you, we all have access to everything all the time now. Uh, but that was definitely uh, uh, a thing, was printing out those lists back then. Uh, I heard from uh, Earl, logbook guy. Uh, if, you not, if you don't check out uh, the logbook.com, you should definitely check that out. Uh, Earl says, would you believe I was writing and designing my own newsletters with a program called Newsroom? So glad I got over that hobby, dot, dot, dot. Well, if you know Earl, you know that he has not gotten over that uh, hobby. He just released a giant uh, newsletter in PDF format that you can get from the logbook.com. Uh, I actually wrote an article about uh, Star Wars six-inch figures and uh, a couple other things in there. And um, the technology has really changed. I'm sure Earl would be the, the first one to tell you that. Uh, my friend Schnuth, I uh, hope I'm saying that right. Uh, uh, I've been following him and his wife on uh, on Twitter now for a while and really, really interesting people and, and smart people. And, and I like – that's one of the things about uh, Twitter – 
that I really like is that you can follow people that you don't really know in real life. Like I don't really know where these people live or, you know, what they do during the day or whatever, but the, the things that they post about and they talk about are so interesting that, that you just know that they're interesting people. Uh, so they're, they're, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird that, um, it's like you, you have conversations with people that you don't really know who they are, but, but you could just tell they're, they're interesting people. And so I love, I love interacting with people like that. Uh, but he says, uh, he printed print shop banners and greeting cards and that he loved that program. And I agree. Um, I remember being heartbroken. I think it was when I went to windows 95 or maybe windows 98 for sure. But, um, I, we had used print shop for a long time and then we had got print master, uh, and then finding out that those things didn't work anymore. And it just, it was so, I, you know what? I haven't looked. Um, uh, well, I just searched Google and sure enough, they Broderbund uh, still sells print shop. Uh, they have a version that works on modern uh, computers. And I'm looking at the little banner thing here and um, there's print shop and print shop professional. Um, and it has little pictures of greeting cards and all the stuff we used to do. Of course, they look so much better. And calendars. I've totally forgot about that. You know, print shop had a thing where you could print out a calendar and uh, it looks like you could still print those out or whatever. So I just, there's su- it's such a world where you would print out your own calendar. <laughs> I just can't imagine doing that. I'm sure people do. Uh, but um, yeah, I have like 90 devices around me that all have calendars built into them. So um, vintage volts. Uh, who, uh, if you haven't checked out vintage volts, you should Google, uh, use Google and find his website. Uh, first he says when he was a kid, his printer was a Smith Corona typewriter. And, uh, then he just would type gibberish on it. But, um, uh, he also was a fellow Commodore MPS 803. That must've been a pretty, pretty common printer for Commodore owners. He got it when he was 19 and he used it to print basic listings and the occasional platoon roster. Well, that's interesting. Uh, and then within a year, he got an Okimate 20 and Koala Paint. A world of printing galore had followed. And that's uh, Koala Paint, if you are unfamiliar, was a art program for 8-bit computers. I know they had it on uh, the Commodore as well as uh, we had it on the Apple II as well and, and the Atari and it was a, a tablet little thing that would connect to the computer and you could draw on. But a lot of people made uh, koala pad artwork and you could do color pictures and things like that and print them out. So that was definitely a way to, uh, you know, a lot of times you would make computer graphics at home and then go to school and tell people about it. Unless you copied it on a disc and shared it around, nobody would see it. But you could, I could definitely see, you know, printing those things out and taking them to school. That's a, that's a cool idea. Delph Meek, my buddy Delph, says that he also used Print Shop religiously on his Apple IIe and printed banners, calendars, and greeting cards. Well, there's somebody that printed calendars. All I had to do was keep uh, scrolling down. Uh, the Bishop of Basic, my friend, uh, says that he printed walkthroughs to games and ladies. Well, <laughs> I like that. Um, of course, I talked about printing the walkthroughs of games, uh, but there were pictures of like girly type pictures and stuff. And of course, when you were a kid, uh, you didn't have access to, um, you know, adult magazines necessarily, but you could definitely print, print you out a girlfriend there, <laughs> carry that print out with you, maybe hide it in your school folder or something. Uh, J.R. Booth says that uh, he designed supercars, the Aura and the Scimitar, and uh, he designed those on, he says, whatever the Commodore 64 equivalent of Mac Paint was, which was probably either uh, Koala Paint or maybe Doodle. Um, and then I got a response from Lethargic, which I will uh, add to the end of the show. <laughs> so if you want to hear Lethargic's comment, you can uh, stay tuned to the very end. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, like I said, um, the the old dot matrix printer. I know that they still use those printers uh, in some certain technologies, especially when you need, uh, you know, in a business environment where you need to make multiple copies. That dot matrix printers uh, or uh, impact printers can still make those types of copies. So there's a lot of places that still use those. But in home use, I think that's uh, largely been replaced by uh, inkjet and laser printing. So uh, I'm going to what? Here's what we're going to do. Uh, first of all, I'm going to wrap up the show after the end of the show, I'm going to play, uh, a sample from, uh, this guy on YouTube who has basically written software that will allow you to play music, 
uh, with uh, a dot matrix printer. And so it uses the heads and it moves the thing back and forth and, and it does these things and it creates different tones. And so uh, I'll be playing a song after the end of the show. Uh, on a dot matrix printer. I'm not, I don't really have the printer. It's, it's from YouTube video, but uh, I think you'll recognize the tune. Uh, and then after the end of that, I will throw in uh, lethargic's comment. So, but that's pretty much all I have about, uh, this, uh, printer extravaganza. That wraps up another episode of you don't know flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of you don't know flack, you can email me at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodork. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the You Don't Know Flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64 theme podcast, Sprite Castle, at SpriteCastle.com, and Throwback Reviews at ThrowbackReviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at ThrowbackNetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flat. So if you're still here, I hope you enjoy this little tune played on Dot Matrix, The Eye of the Tiger.
Lethargic J tweets, I printed out a picture of somebody pooping in a woman's mouth and made it into a Christmas card about the Yule log. Lethargic, why would you do that? <laughs> 